Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Book Broads. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you, Bailey? I'm doing good. Doing good. So for our first book club pick of February, we are talking about Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall for this episode. And honestly, like I knew I would love it, like going into it. And I ended up loving it, like period. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it was so informational. Exactly. Like what else even is there to say it, um, to put it quite simply, like it was phenomenal. And um, I just, it's one of those anti-racist books that I'm going to keep on my bookshelf forever and recommend to everyone and hand it out to anyone who wants to borrow it. I mean, it was so highly rated on Goodreads for a good reason. So Mm -hmm. I'm really, really glad that we got the chance to read it. And now that we get the chance to discuss it. Exactly. And it's just, it's so important for anyone wanting to read anti-racist texts and all of that. And ever since June of last year, like everything blew up with like anti-racist books. Um, This came a little bit later, but like this should be at the top of everyone's list especially for women, especially, um, and for white women in particular. Um, yeah, that's why I think it was different was because it specifically focused on intersectionality, um, especially pertaining to women and intersectionality is something that I'm very fascinated in and was very fascinated in during college. So I took a lot of classes like sex power and politics, feminist political theories, and Kimberly Crenshaw invented this term of intersectionality, which if any listeners are not familiar, you should read um, Crenshaw's texts. You should also read Feminism by Mickey Kendall. Um, But it's essentially this idea that each person's identity impacts them in different ways. Um, and sort of the the diversity of someone's identity. There's multiple layers, how that allows them to move throughout the world. So um, a white cisgender man's experience is going to be very different from a black queer woman's experience. A black straight woman's experience is going to be very different from a black queer woman's experience and so on. Um, and it's something I'm really fascinated in that I don't think is as popularly known or as popularized as it should be. And that's why I think books like this are so important is because I'm learning more about it every day and I'm really enjoying that and I'm enjoying how it's been able to inform my own experiences or to unpack my own biases. I just love it. And so that's why I loved this book. I honestly, a hundred percent, like I would, I would go into all the reasons why and you literally just explain them like all of it. Uh, <laughs> I would just be reiterating everything that you said, but no, I a hundred percent agree. And I feel the exact same way. Well, then I have a question for you. I want to know um, just sort of overall how you got started with, I guess, identifying as a feminist. Where did you first hear about feminism? How old were you? Where were you? What were the circumstances? Yeah, for me, looking back, I, at least with my mom, I was always raised with ideals of feminism, but didn't have the name attached to it of feminism. Um, The first time I heard the term, I distinctly remember being in homeroom in high school. I think I was sophomore year. And a friend I was talking to who was next to me, she like mentioned feminism. And it was she was speaking kind of loudly. Everyone's like in their own conversations in homeroom, as you know. And I remember like girls across the room like looking over at us because she mentioned it and like kind was kind of judging. 
And I didn't really know why. Like, I just kind of kept quiet and I was like nodding and like agreeing with what my friend said. I forget exactly what the conversation was, but I remember that distinctively. And of course, in high school, you don't, you, you don't get a lot of that knowledge or anything of that. Like, you know, the American school system, it doesn't teach you as what, what it obviously should be. Um, So it wasn't until like college, maybe senior year of high school, freshman year of college, where I was really getting into exploring feminism, intersectional feminism, and, you know, doing my own education. And that's kind of my journey. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that we probably started identifying as feminists during the same time period. I think it was like 2013, 2014, something around there. Um, I think I was, I was pretty much a freshman in in high school. I think when I was first introduced to the concept, honestly, I went to an all girls private school where they were very big on female empowerment. They didn't really use the word feminist. Um, but they were huge. I mean, like I grew up with this understanding that like girls are the shit, like girls are Mm -hmm. everything, um, which I'm really appreciative of, but it was like a Catholic school, um, it, it tiptoed on the line between conservative and liberal. It was very centrist. And so they allowed us to have a feminism club, but they were super strict on what we were allowed to do. Yeah. And through that feminism club is where I learned a lot of what I know or what I, um, grew to know at the time about what feminism was. And I vividly remember, like, I think my honest first introduction was like that Nash Greer video. Do you remember that? No. Okay. I might be like dating myself here, but- um, there was this video of, of Nash Greer on YouTube talking about like what he finds attractive in women. And it was like, they have to be shaved. And it was like really weird. Uh-huh. And I remember just blew up and his career like never recovered from that. Yeah. But um, they showed that to us in like our feminism club. And I was oh. like, ooh, um, that's not okay. And it yeah. makes me feel icky. So yeah. maybe I should, maybe I should do something about this, but I guess my next question is, which I'll 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 go into it sort of discussing my experience and I don't know if you had a similar one, but I started to realize as I got older and as I learned more about intersectionality and honestly when people started calling Taylor Swift a white feminist, mm-hmm. I mean I had no idea what that was. Um obviously because I'm white and we should clarify we're both white women. Um yep. And so as I started to learn more about that, I was taken aback by the fact that I was totally a white feminist and that the feminism that I was introduced to in high school was white feminism. And then that's what I ingrained in my head. And so I've sort of had to unlearn that because white feminism is just as dangerous as not being a feminist at all. Um, And so I want to know, I mean, have you ever sort of recognized yourself as a white feminist or have you ever had an experience like that i i mean i when all like the feminism stuff was kind of like resurging around that time of like 2015 2016 um and then talking about taylor swift when that all happened i was like white feminism what there's a distinction like i mm-hmm. had no idea yeah uh, i didn't know that there was an intersectional aspect of feminism that is what feminism should be. Um, But yeah, it was like that whole like girl boss era, (laughs) which the book touches on a little bit. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm a girl boss. Like, you know, I never considered all of these different aspects of like of intersectional feminism 
and at the time, like I said, like I didn't even know that intersectional feminism was a term or like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I never realized all that is, in, you know, included with feminism that we should be discussing and what is important. It's not just, you know, topics about feminism that only relate to white women. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I found it so interesting. But yeah, I really think this book was the catalyst to fully seeing all of the things that are involved with intersectional feminism and what white women should be doing in their own feminism if they call themselves a, femi- a feminist. Um, so yeah, because there was definitely stuff. I consider myself an intersectional feminist now, but there was even stuff in this book. Like I was, it opened my eyes even further. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was amazing. Yeah, totally. Um, On that same note, something I found really interesting just on the topic of like white feminism and celebrities and even Taylor Swift's circle, like I just know that Taylor Swift, we should clarify like we're huge Swifties. Um, Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to let her off scot-free, you know, when, when when she messes up. And I think that she literally learned what feminism was from Lena Dunham. And the dragging of Lena Dunham in this book was very pleasing to me in my career. Uh Um, I just like, (laughs) I mean, she's awful. She's literally awful. And I cannot even believe like how she has been raised up as this pinnacle of feminism when she's so harmful to the movement and to BIPOC women and, like I can't, I just can't. It, it's it's why. I mean, there's things that I had no idea about her that I read in this book, and I was like, yeah, no, uh, never supporting anything she ever does ever again. Yeah, no, yeah. I think the whole thing with her, with Lena Dunham in particular, like being like branded as like the quote the face of feminism, is her being on Girls, and again, it's that kind of girl boss like kind of with with only white people exactly and it came out around that time that everyone started buying into it and of course the show girls it's about these four white women in new york in brooklyn when they're like i've never seen all of the episodes i've seen like the first maybe couple episodes of season one but like there's not like a person of color there's in not that a single show. person of color. Like and then and then I think like as a joke, she brought on um Donald Glover for like an episode and he was in it for like 10 seconds. And they like made a joke that. about how white it was. And I was like, what are you doing? Oh so, my god. Anyway, what a hot I mess. Can't, I can't. Um, but I just I wanted to point that out because that was something that I specifically have taken away from this book is that like specifically that behavior. I just, I want to be way more aware of that behavior in celebrities that call themselves, that call themselves feminists, um, you know, just to be wary of that and to call it out when we see it. On that note, I, after reading this book, like it just made me realize even more how much work that I still have to do and how much work that everybody Every white person still has to do, every white woman in particular still has to do, because I think, like I said before, there was so much that I was not aware of. And it's just like an act of keeping yourself aware and educating and just informing yourself and, you know, disrupting that white comfort that every white person has. And um, yeah, no, I it, re- it opened it opened my eyes even even more than it than before. Totally. And I think it's really interesting to note what the author talked about in the book is that 
specifically white women, like you were saying, like white women get so comfortable in the idea that they're victims of misogyny and of the patriarchy too. Like we're all in this together when the truth is that we're not. 53% of women, white women, excuse me, voted for Donald Trump in the 2016 election. Like that's appalling. Um, Mm -hmm. And yes, white women are victims of the patriarchy, but absolutely not in the same way as black women. So um, that's something that I definitely have had to recognize um, sort of in my own consciousness, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Should we get into some discussion questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. So the first question we have here is in Kendall's introduction to the book, she warns us, quote, it's not going to be a comfortable read, but it is going to be an opportunity to learn for those who are willing to do the hard work, end quote. Did you find sections of this book uncomfortable to read? Which ones and why did it change your thinking about any issues? Yeah, I know personally for me, it brought back a lot of memories of moments in my life where I have been guilty of being a white feminist and a lot of it was when I was much younger and first learning about what feminism even was, but then, you know, some of it was last week. I mean, it's, it's a constant process of learning and unlearning. And I think that it's so important for this book to be uncomfortable. And it's so important for the tone of it to make you uncomfortable because I mean, it's written, it's it's written like a call out. It is a direct call out to every white woman reading it. Um yep. and it's and it's so necessary. I mean, we need to be we need to be checked. And if people are willing to check us, please do because we need it. So yeah, I mean, yes, it was uncomfortable and it was completely necessary. Oh yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. Like if you are a white woman reading this and you didn't feel uncomfortable. Or like you should be you should be uncomfortable, like period. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, it was kind of like there wasn't anything in particular that like really like pointed me out. It was kind of just like the undertone or like the vibes. Yeah. The vibe of this book, reading this book, mm-hmm. that I was like, you know, oh, you have you have to keep yourself in check. You have to remind yeah. yourself of these things. It was just the the undertones of this book. It just made me there was a there was a sense of uncomfortableness that I did feel this comfort that I did feel that just it as like the lap, like the long term like impact that it has left on me or will leave on me is that just to keep myself aware of all of these things and like to keep your family members aware, your art and like to inform them and educate them and your coworkers and just anyone in your life or anyone that presents a thought or any sort of type of situation that we are responsible to educate because it's not their job at all. Mm -hmm. It's our job. Cause again, was it 53% of white women voted for Trump? Mm-hmm. Like that's we need to talk to our fellow our our peers. Yeah, that's that's the problem. They sure. that's that's definitely the problem. Yeah. So for another discussion question that we have in quote solidarity is still for white women and quote Kendall tells us that many white feminists dismissed her hashtag solidarity for white women campaign as quote infighting. Have you ever experienced what might be considered infighting in your community or in campaigns in which you've been involved? What was your reaction to it at the time? And did Kendall's reframing of infighting change your thinking about it? 
So we picked this question because I have a very specific story that I want to share. And I think that it's totally a situation that could happen today if Mm -hmm. I wasn't more informed than I was, you know, six or seven years ago. Um, Do you remember when Iggy Azalea was huge Mm -hmm. um, with that song Fancy? You know, she did Problem with Ariana Grande. Like Iggy Azalea was huge. She was breaking records. She was killing it. Um, And then there became this debate about how a white female rapper is, you know, being celebrated, um, is being championed, is being pushed to the forefront. Meanwhile, black female rappers are sort of getting the scraps that are left behind Mm -hmm. when black people literally created the genre. So I guess it became this question of like, where does Iggy Azalea fall into place and why are we championing her when this wasn't her place in the first place? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember sitting there in my high school feminism club with these girls saying, you know, Iggy Azalea needs to take a seat and she needs to not be showered with as much praise as she did because she's not she's not some trailblazer like it's not like she created this genre and she's not the first person to uh you know blaze this this path there Mm -hmm. were tons of black female rappers before her and I remember sitting there like literally thinking in my head like why are we pitting women against each other like shouldn't we just be grateful that you know (laughs) this woman is breaking records that men used to hold like it's all about girls supporting girls and I think back to that version of myself and I'm like girl what were you thinking Mm -hmm. like yeah I was 15 but like it's so crazy to think about how much that idea is is sort of um imprinted in our heads that like we just have to be women supporting women, you know, that's infighting. Like, no, actually, intersectionality is all about recognizing how each person's identity uniquely impacts their experience. And to completely ignore the, the fact that Iggy Azalea was a white woman um, having huge success in this genre that wasn't made by her. Like, it's it's very important to recognize. I think about that all the time. And, you know, I just... I'm dedicating myself to doing the work so that nothing like that situation ever comes up again where I'm like, and if it does, then I'm going to check my biases. But I don't know. I think about it all the time and I I sort of use it as an example to myself to not repeat, I guess. No, that's that's such a good example. And like how over time after you're educating yourself on intersectional feminism, how it your mindset has changed and how your opinions have changed um because it's completely right um the whole you know they like why is she be why was she being pitted as this trailblazer in this genre that was not you know that she her that she did not create and was not a part of building and um not a part of that of the of the community of black women rappers um who were the trailblazers. Yeah. Um, so no, yeah, I think that was a really good example. So Bailey, are there any chapters that stood out to you? Any passages? I know you bookmarked a lot of things as did I. Yeah. I bookmarked a lot of stuff. And one thing that really stood out to me that I was kind of like, like a what moment, it was towards the end of the book in the reproductive justice chapter. Um, I can, I have the book here so I can read it out for everybody. Um, 
alongside, quote, Mississippi appendectomies, which was another name for unnecessary hysterectomies performed at teaching hospitals in the South on Black women. There was the forced sterilization of Indigenous Americans, which persisted in into the 1970s and 80s. Um, that was crazy. Like, I, I literally gasped. I had no idea that, that there was, like, a name attached, that that even happened. Um, and it's appalling. And also like kind of tagging along with that, like aside from talking about um, black women with intersectional feminism, I loved how Mickey Kendall also addressed Latinx women mm-hmm. and also um, indigenous women as well and Asian women and Asian Americans. Um, yeah. Like it, that is just, it was crazy to me to read that. And again, it just kind of goes along with um all of this information in this book was so informative and it's just something that I didn't know before. Yeah, I think this is this is the type of thing that they should be teaching in school that should be in the history books because um, it's a history that we don't want to repeat and we are repeating with women at the border currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's why I loved this book, why I think it's so important, why I think everyone listening should read it. Um, it definitely is one that I'm gonna, gonna keep close to me at all times for sure. Cool. Well, I loved that book. I'm so glad you loved that book. It got five stars from me. Five stars from me as well. So then let's announce our next book club pick, which you guys only have one week to read. So (laughs) better get at it. (laughs) It's a short one. It's really not that long. Um, but yeah, it is Red at the Bone by Jacqueline Woodson, which I've already started reading and, it is so good so far. I'm loving it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it and to finish it. Yes, I'm very excited too. It's a short one, so you have a full week to read it. No excuses. No, I'm just kidding. But it is very short, so if you want to squeeze it in, we'd love to have you um, read with us. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on our Instagram at Book Broads Podcast and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all the podcasting places. And thank you so much again for tuning in. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.